All right, First Peter, First Peter chapter three, First Peter three and verse ten, and we'll pick it up there. I trust you will remember your notes, the things from the previous session, session fifteen, verses eight and nine. I'll make reference to them, but I'm trying not to cover that territory all over again. Let's read um, at least read verses ten and eleven. Four. Now, we've said this to you, when there's a wherefore, there's a therefore, etc., there's a for here. So, he's tying the passages together, no doubt about it. He says, For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good, let him seek peace and ensue it. <clears throat> and so... You know, there, there's a promise of lo, a long life to those who obey their parents, you know, uh, especially in the Old Testament, because if you didn't, if you blasphemed and did certain things, that, would, that was the end of your uh, tenor on earth. But he's saying here that if you really want a good, peaceful life, now he didn't say without troubles, okay? But he said, he that will love life and see good days. So seeing good days is not dependent on others. It is not dependent upon inflation. It is not dependent upon the value of the dollar or how much a gallon of milk costs or, you know, a liter of petrol. It's not based on that. He that will love life and see good days, let him campaign. No. Let him argue and fight about the government. No. Let him cling to his military service and his branch in particular. You know, and these guys are fussing back and forth at each other here in the States about, you know, which branch was the best and who made the biggest sacrifice. Did he say do that? No, 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 no. So instead what he did, he gives them a really, it's pretty cool, okay? He says, he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil. Number one, okay? Let him refrain his tongue from evil. So pay attention, control what you say. His lips, that they speak no guile. He doesn't deceive at all. He doesn't cut corners, etc. Number three, let him, what? Eschew evil. That is, treat evil in his own life. Listen, not the evil he sees around him in the world. Let him hate evil in his own life. Number four, do good. Number five, seek peace. And number six, ensue it. Now, huh, this is good preaching ground here. We're going to try to deal with it as we're exposited in it, you know, the Bible verse by verse. We're going to tie in verse 12 and 13. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. His ears are open unto their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? Now watch. Someone says, well, they're trying to harm us. The government. Yeah, that's the point. Who is he? He's a bad guy. It doesn't say no one will harm you if you're a follower of that which is good. It doesn't say that. Because in verse 14, he says, but and if you suffer for righteousness sake, happy are ye. He said, so in a normal world, verse 13, in a normal world, in a decent world, 
Nobody's going to harm you for doing good. However, but, remember we talked about the contrast last hour, last half hour, last class. But, and if you suffer for righteousness, okay? So, righteousness sake, what? Happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. And we're going to get down to those verses, verse 15 and, and 16, because of what it says to do. We probably won't get to them this session. Because I want us to look at this, this, idea, this whole concept <coughs> of living. Now, he doesn't say he that will love life. So in this particular passage, it doesn't say long life. However, he gives them you know, promises. He reminds them, Paul does in Ephesians 6, uh, 1 to 3. Uh, in Proverbs 10, 27, talking about the fear of the Lord prolongs your days. Proverbs 28, 16, he said, if you'd have a long life, you'd hate covetousness. Okay? So the idea here is that you and I want to love life. If you want to love your life. Okay? That is, if you want to be content with it. If you don't want to run around dreading life. Can I paint you a picture here? Watch. Refrain his tongue from evil. You are not going to love life if your mouth is constantly saying something evil or talking about evil or contemplating evil. Now, you ought to read your Bible, Bible believer, with an idea of what does God call evil? There's a lot of things that Bible believers think is okay, but it's evil in God's eyes. Many will say, well, I don't, Drink alcohol, for example, or I don't smoke dope, and I don't rob banks, and I don't commit adultery, and if you're single, you don't commit fornication. That doesn't mean you don't have some evil speaking. Let him refrain his tongue from evil. Don't even repeat evil. It's not edifying. Again, this could be a whole message in the sense of developing the thought. So let's look at the things. All right, number one, refrain your, his tongue from evil. Number two, his lips that they speak no guile. You know, if you're not careful, you fall into the way of the world and you use guile. Guile is when you're crafty with your words. Uh, some of the synonyms are like duplicity and deceit. And it's almost always, there's a few places Paul said he caught them with being crafty. He caught them with guile, meaning he used some things to get their attention. But in this passage, it's really obvious that it's about having a sincere spirit. Down there, down under, they, they talk about somebody being fair dinkum, F-A-I-R-D-I-N-K-U-M, fair dinkum. That's without guile. That's somebody who doesn't use crafty and artifice. They're not trying to deceive. Uh, it's real important, real important for us to make sure that we don't fall into that thing of using guile. His lips that they speak, no. How much? No guile. Well, what's the great temptation? Like I said, we're not going to preach on each of these. That would take forever. And it would be good preaching, by the way. And it's necessary preaching. And if you teach a class or something, do that at some point, somewhere. 
teach on these matters. I wouldn't make it exhaustive because exhaustive is exhausting to your hearers and your listeners. I think that brevity is a form of genius. And in other words, we can be very brief if we really study and think something out. And we don't have to relay the foundation over and over and over in that same exact way if we learn to tie things together. But this, just looking at this, let him refrain his tongue from evil. Good idea. Good rule. Let him, let in his lips they speak no guile. Watch. Let him eschew evil. It was said of Job that he eschewed evil. In other words, to eschew evil is to hate evil. It is not to hate the evil out there you see in others. It's to hate evil in your own life and in your own, say, home, uh, in your own church. It's for you personally to eschew it, to hate it. Here's the problem. It is easy for you, whoever's listening, it is easy for you to eschew the evil in the world Do you know why it's easy? Because the world's full of it. (laughs) It, it, Listen, you can't go through a day without seeing some kind of evil or hearing about evil. Nowadays, especially because it pops up on, on computers and phones and TVs and all that kind of rubbish. And so when we begin to think about these things, we begin to realize that it's about our life not about the world around us. Let him eschew evil. Now, ready? And do good. Now, have you ever thought about, therefore to him that knoweth to do good, doeth not to him in his sin? Yeah. You know, one of the great answers in life is do good. Do the good thing. Okay? Okay. If you do the good thing, then what happens is we as believers are going to be like our Lord where it said he went about doing good. We are do-gooders. We should be do-gooders. We are not here to fight on behalf of the lion of the tribe of Judah. We are not here to conduct ministry in the way that they do. Now, you do what you want. I'm no sissy or pacifist. So I need these verses constantly. Why? Because I need to do good. I need to look for ways to do good. Let him seek peace. If you were seeking peace, okay, what would you do? If you're not careful, just because you say, well, the Sermon on the Mount the Beatitudes don't apply to us. It's all about tribulation, da-da-da. I hope you don't take that, that thing and ultra-divide your Bible. You're going to forget that blessed are those who do what? Seek peace. Go after peace. Do you know what it will take to get peace sometimes? Crucifying yourself. Swallowing your words. Getting grace from God to do the right thing. Seek peace. Not seek peace as pull it out and blow it all to bits and destroy it, and that's peace because now you're at peace. No, peace has to do with all the parties involved. As much as lieth in you, do what? Live peaceably with all men. Now, he didn't say that everybody will let you, but as much as lieth. Now, 
My answer always to me personally is, you know what lies in me? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God lies in me, so as much as lies in you, live peaceably with all men. That's important, I think. And the reason it's so important is because we are to seek peace and then ensue it. Now, this is pretty cool. I think it's so amazing to me how the Lord does things sometimes. Because what he does is he takes and he, he, he takes something and he restates it with stronger words. And it doesn't matter if you're using some, you, you don't have to go to the Greek, the Greek and stuff. So he said, seek peace, right? And ensue it. When you ensue something, you follow it. You pursue it. So you just don't seek it as in, I want it. Okay. It's, I want it badly enough to pursue it. So it's not, I'll be peaceful as long as everyone leaves me alone. I won't go stir up a fight. It's, I'm going to find ways to bring peace wherever I'm at. You say, well, I'm not going to compromise. It didn't say that, but it did say seek peace. You know, one of the ways in which someone hears the word of God who might have been contrary to it is when they see in others the spirit of our Lord. And when you read down through this, and we've already read part of it in in, in, uh, 1 Peter, but when we read down to chapter 4 and he starts talking about our Lord Christ, as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise. He's talking about us having the same spirit that Jesus Christ did. Now, Lord Jesus Christ could have wiped people out. He could have, he could have taken charge at any moment, and he didn't. Was it because he was unable? No. Was it because he was afraid to? No. He had a purpose, the highest purpose, obedience to the Father's will to save mankind. God's highest purpose is that others would get a witness of who Jesus Christ was and is, and he get. That comes through us because Christ is in heaven seated on the right hand of the Father. So it's, it's really important. This thing is, you, you, can't, you can't talk about it, preach it too much. He said, for the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. Verse 12. So it's a very practical statement. It's a practical statement. The writings of these Apostles, the writings of these early men of God that God used to, to give us stuff for the church age is so practical. And it's practical because of what they quote all the time. What they're quoting is the practical part of the Bible. <clears throat> you, you, let me give you an example. Practical living, okay? Proverbs chapter four, twenty-four, verse 17. Rejoice not when thine enemy falleth. Let not thine heart be glad when he stumbleth, lest the Lord see it, now watch, and it displease him, and he turn away his wrath from him. He says, you know, you can, you can let the wicked off the hook if you have a bad attitude. Now, you're not supposed to think, I'm going to have a good attitude so I can stick it to, the, to others. No, no, that's not. But he said, the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. His ears are open unto their prayers. It's a very, very practical statement. 
So he says in chapter 24, 19 of Proverbs, fret not thyself because of evil men, neither be thou envious at the wicked, for there shall no reward, be no reward to the evil man. The candle of the wicked shall be put out. My son, fear thou the Lord and the king and meddle not with them that are given to change for their calamity shall rise suddenly and who knoweth the ruin of them both. It's so important for us to keep our attitude and spirit right. Now, I hear people say, I hear men teach, preach, all this stuff from a human standpoint of Simon Peter. And if you listen, it sounds like they have victory Simon Peter didn't have. And honestly, that's foolishness, pure foolishness. And then they begin to say, hint that, infer that Simon Peter should have more victory because Jesus Christ was there. The Lord Jesus Christ said, you're going to have more power when I go. You're going to have more inner witness when I go because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, being part of the Godhead, works in us, watches us, even reports to the Father, the best you can tell. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. So, if you, will lo- if you would love life, let's say you say, I really want to get something out of life. All right, well, you're going to have trials and troubles, so you won't get away with it. Bob Jones Sr. said you can't do right and get away with it. So what do I do? If I want to love life and see good days, I refrain my tongue from evil. That way it won't come back on me and it won't stir up evil. Number two, my lips, refrain my lips, that they speak no guile. Honest, straightforward, uh, make sure you're not using deceit and craft and sneakiness. Let him eschew evil. Any evil in your own life, your own heart, your own mind. See, he said, refrain his tongue from you. Say, Lord, I, I can't let this stay in my life. Number three. Number four, do good. Find the good thing to do and do it. Number five, let him seek peace and ensue it go after it why because the lord's looking the lord's hearing and the face of the lord's against them that do evil you know you don't have to be lost for god's face to get against you he's not looking to get against you remember what i said earlier he's looking to bless you he wants you to inherit a blessing last hour Verse 13, and who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? So let's stop for a minute. You will sometimes get hindered when you do right, when you do good. But we keep in mind who will do it. So so hear me out. <clears throat> let's say you hear of, you read of, you see. Somebody does right. <clears throat> they do good and they get trouble from it. Well, who will, who is he that'll harm you if you be followers that which is good? Okay. If you follow good and it turns on you, verse 14. See how practical this book is, the Bible? See how practical the teachings are of the New Testament Christians, the first century? This is why we need more of this and less of the hit and miss entertainment, uh, tickle my ears, because this is stuff for our boots on the ground. 
But if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. Ah, I tell you, I don't see a lot of happiness in Christians who find trouble from doing right. They're the crankiest, most negative, evil for evil people you, you find. Worse than the lost. Look, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled, but, and here's the key, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. It does not say when these people will be ashamed. Okay? The passage goes on. It says, For it is better if the will of God be so that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. Then he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. By which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometime were disobedient, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a-preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water, etc. We'll get to that. But for the remainder of this class, look with me. Verse 15, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And one illustration that has always helped me that I do, I have it in my Bibles, my copies of my King James Bible, you just take a circle and you draw it. Draw a circle. And you put a dot in the middle. And in that circle, you write God. Okay? And everything outside that circle is, your, is the rest of your life. It's your life. But your inner core, at, and that circle means God is off limits. He's off limits. What do you mean? You can't reach him? No. He's off limits as you can't talk to him, get to him? No. He's off limits as that you don't allow any thought, any word, if it does come, you cast it down, anything against God. You say, well, is that even good thinking? Come to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Sanctify. Keep your mouth off God. Okay? God is off limits. Okay? You may have to give an answer under torture, etc. We are prepare our hearts and minds. Is God against learning? No. And he doesn't want our ignorance. It's keeping our it's giving our answer under persecution or trouble. You see, meekness and fear towards God give us power. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Ready? Second Corinthians ten, watch. Verse three Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing to captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. 
Casting down, verse 5, look, every, casting down imagines every high thing that exalted itself against what? The knowledge of God. We are to sanctify the Lord God in our hearts. And then what? And be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Meekness and fear towards them? No, towards God. Now that will give us a spirit of meekness, which we need, because if not, we're going to use the spirit of aggression. We're going to use evil for evil, railing for railing. It's in our nature. <coughs> Joseph practiced courteous manners when he was brought before those who had power over him, but he wasn't a coward. When it come time to interpret dreams, he did them. He did them when it, when it wasn't popular with the baker who found out he was going to die. He did it when it wasn't popular, when he said you're about to have seven years of the hardest time you've had in a long time after seven years of plenty. So sanctify the Lord God in your heart. You draw a circle, God is off limits. Keep that mouth off God. What, what does God want us to do? He said, be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you the reason to hope that he knew it makes in fear. Now watch. Having a good conscience. So this means that if we back up, okay, and this is not, this is a conscience within us and before God. If we're going to have a good conscience, we refrain our tongue from evil, verse 10. Our lips, they speak no guile. We eschew evil. We do good. We seek peace. We ensue it. Why? So we can have a good conscience. I am concerned at the conscience that some Bible-believing Christians present today, the aggression. Boldness and aggression are not synonyms in God's Bible and God's Word. They're not. I'm all for the boldness, amen. Having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. If we took time to walk through the life of the Apostle Paul, there were times when on the spot, God rebuked people who were falsely accusing Paul. But there were also times when he left it for what obviously will not be dealt with till eternity. That is up to him. That's totally up to God. And when we come down to the better, verse 17, which is important, for it is better if the will of God be so. It, it's like I've said to you before, the little phrase, Deo Valente, abbreviated DV. Deo is God, Valente is will, God willing. If it is the will of God that we suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing, it is better that we get it in trouble, have hassles, because we did right, and we did good, we did well, in the passage, verse 17, than it is that we didn't, or that we did evil. We should not our, let our good be evil spoken of. So we should do good in a manner that doesn't resemble or portray evil. This is very, very, very important. It has everything to do both with our spirit, but in how we do it.
One of the hardest things about knowing the truth, one of the hardest things about knowing the end, one of the most difficult things about knowing that the Lord Jesus Christ will not come back as a lamb next time is to wait for that and live out how he came the first time. Because <laughs> we are armed with truth. And we'll get through this next passage or two and we'll get into chapter four where he tells us how to arm ourselves and what to arm ourselves with. But for this passage, I pray you'll mark. If you'll love life, see good days, what? Refrain your tongue from evil, your lips from speaking guile. Eschew evil in your own life. Do good. Seek peace and sue it. It's so important for us to walk in the Spirit in our life with God. And then verse 15, would you today sanctify the Lord God in your heart? Lord, maybe you have never suffered something that could have turned you. Now, it's okay to say, Lord, why and stuff, but I wouldn't dwell on it very long. Heard a brother preach, his son in his 40s, I think, was killed in a car accident, just everything unexpectedly. And probably preached what I think is one of the best messages. He preaches all over America and probably the world, but he preached the best message I've heard him preach, and it was a humble message about, you know, bear your own burden and let others bear your burden. And the idea was, it's one thing to say, Lord, this is hard, this hurts, and he said there comes a time when it's time to get up and bear that burden. There comes a time when we, when, when you might ask a few questions in your heart and mind, but I, if it was me, my rule is God's off limits. My rule is, I'm not going to say, God, why did, you, why did you do this? Why did you allow this? I'll say, Lord, is there something I should respond with here? Is there you know, a, a mess, message for me in it? But he's off limits. He's God. I pray you'd make that decision also. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time in the book. Pray you'd use it now in Jesus' name. Amen.